in this series, you would start uh, asking yourself the question, what was I thinking? And considering thoughts that honor God, thoughts that help you act out your faith in Christ, not empty thoughts, not meaningless thoughts, not worldly thoughts that the world has just uh, taught you because that's how people think and live in this world, but divine thoughts. We're using as a scriptural basis for our study, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is, today's word, lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Well, there are a couple of adjectives for our thoughts in this passage that are awkward translations into the English, and so you may wonder, huh, what's that? One of them was back when we thought about noble thoughts, probably, and now lovely thoughts. What are lovely thoughts? Well, I'm going to talk about today in this lesson called A Beautiful Mind, A Lovely Mind. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. Now, you may or may not use the word lovely a lot. I, I'm just betting. I, I've heard Ted use it a lot, so I think it's an it's a adverb that gets used more in Britain than in America. And probably Ed may use it more often than, than we do. But what does it mean in the biblical sense? I know what it means... In everyday usage, it means kind of cute, right? Sweet, nice. And I hate to break it to you, but that has nothing to do with what it's talking about in the Scripture. But it makes sense when you think about it, because what word is in lovely? Love, okay. Yeah, it's a word that, it's the adverb form of love. It's love in action, Now, you need to take another step back because you probably think you know what love is, but we also define love based on how we typically use it in today's world. It has to do with a depth of affectionate feeling. You might even say about somebody, well, I like them. I don't have to love them, do I? Right? Because you're saying, I think I'm going to have a hard time mustering up that much positive emotion toward that person. Right? But... That's not the way the word is used in the Bible. Whenever the Bible uses the word love, it is talking about attaching high value to someone or something. It is saying, if I say I love you, I'm saying, in essence, biblically, you are really important to me. I value you highly. Um, We often talk about how God's love is, and people will say, unconditional. Pretty amazing, okay? He loved us when we were in our sin. Well, I want you to know that God did not feel affectionately disposed toward us when we were in our sin. He found our sin disgusting, and yet He still loved us. So it obviously isn't feelings of warmth and affection, but He continued to value 
us. He continued to say, you're important to me. And how did he prove that? He spent his son on you. (laughs) How can you tell what's really important to you? It's the stuff you spend your time and money on, right? (laughs) God spent what was most valuable to him on you. That's how valuable you are to him. Now, God's behavior is all the time, in a biblical word, lovely. (laughs) His word is always an appropriate way of thinking about us because when disgusted by our sin, yet he took the step of making the sacrifice that would seal our redemption, it was his view on our value that did that. Uh, probably the most famous verse in the Bible is John 3.16. Take that verse and any verse that uses the word love in the biblical sense and substitute the word value or valued. For God so valued the world, us. How much value did he place on us? That he gave his only begotten son. He thought we were worth the precious blood, as Peter will later point out, of his son. That's high value. So when we see that we are to think about lovely thoughts, we're not saying pleasant thoughts, although I recommend that. It'll probably put you a greater peace if you think happy, kind, pleasant thoughts. But probably not what's meant here. Lovely means, in Scripture, that which recognizes true value, not the hardware, but actually how much someone or something is worth, and contributes then to the process of bridge building. God is the perfect model of this, isn't it? He created us in His image. And because we were made in His image, He valued us highly. Then when our sin marred that image, (laughs) He said, whatever I have to pay, I'm going to restore them back. (laughs) And He spent His Son on us. Lovely, that which recognizes true value and contributes to the process of bridge building. Love will cause you, beginning with lovely thoughts, to do things that are sacrificial, difficult, painful, uncomfortable, because you are seeking to build a bridge to someone else. Why? Because you deem them important because you value them. So today we ask the question, what are lovely thoughts if every attitude and behavior and feeling actually begins with a thought? What kinds of thoughts are lovely thoughts? Glad you asked. Lovely thoughts, we're going to say today, are thoughts that reflect the glory of of God. Ed read part of a passage from 1 John chapter 4 where John focuses in on the topic of love. And this is where he begins. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another. You've heard that before. John was there when Jesus said it the first time. A new command I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, 
the reason why he added that, as I have loved you, because if he hadn't, their brains would have gone the same place yours goes, which is to the contemporary, modern, in this world definition of love. (laughs) And Jesus goes, no, no, that's not the kind of love I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of love I'm showing you. The type of love, by the way, that will cause me to lay down my life for you. The kind of love that will keep me loving you, valuing you, when you run away and hide. (laughs) When you quit on me, my love won't let me quit on you. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Meaning, there's no loving on this level. Now, on the level of feeling feelings of affection for someone, all you have to have to do that is be human. Okay? So, yeah, you're going to have some people you feel that way about and some people you don't feel that way about. And, by the way, you can feel that way about somebody for a while and then sometimes people say, fell out of love, not feel that way about them later. But this biblical definition, not so. If someone is valuable to you, they are valuable regardless of how they behave. Regardless of how they respond to you. Regardless of how they treat you. Regardless of how their behavior makes you feel. But, love that begins with God's love for you bursts a new capacity to love on your part. Now you can love people based on the value that God has said they have. We love like He loves. Whoever does not love does not know God. You can't love like this without a personal relationship with God. Because God is love. Now that's a critical choice of words. Because John doesn't say what we would have said. We would have said, God is loving. But that's not what he says. And of course, God is loving. But he said more than that, didn't he? He said, God is love, which means God can't help himself. By virtue of the fact that he made you as an expression of who he is, he can't help but love you. He can't help but do whatever he has to do to redeem you to that loving relationship. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Something that the Bible clearly teaches is this. Everything God does is for His glory. To show to all the world and the universe and beyond who He is. That's His purpose. And that's why he made us in his image as a reflection of his glory. For that reason, everything he does is motivated by love for that which he has made for us. By the way, that extends, in case you were wondering, beyond us. Are we the only thing God has made? No. Okay. He, what else did he make? 
Yeah, he, he made your little puppy at, at home, okay? You see, but you're not having trouble with that. He created the mosquitoes that will sting you in the summertime, okay? He made it all, and he made it all for his glory, and he loves it. That's the context in which he loves you. God loves you not because you're so cute and cuddly. He loves you because he made you. And he made you for his glory. That's God's love. Our love is a mere reflection of that love. Don't ever even begin to think that you can love like God loves. Okay? But, if we're born of God, says John, you can begin to see the imprint of that love on our lives. Rick Warren says this, God's love is like an ocean. You can see its beginning. You can stand on the shore. But not its end. And so with love. God's love is bigger than you can possibly imagine. I mean, sometimes when you suggest to somebody, you know, so-and-so might be in heaven when you get there. And they'll go like, no, God would never let a person that evil into heaven. Again, you're totally disregarding everything the Bible says, which is, If that were the case, if God were letting people into heaven based on their merit, you wouldn't be there either. You have a limited view of God's grace if you think He can't reach out to, let's say with their last breath while committing suicide, Adolf Hitler put his trust in Christ. Will you be a little shocked to see him there? How about Judas? (laughs) Okay, But that's the love of God. Created in the image of God, loved and valued by God for that reason. I mean, think about it. Um, In strict um, Calvinism, they say we believe in limited atonement. But the evangelical view is that's not our view on things. Limited atonement is Jesus died on the cross for everybody that he knew would accept him. But it appears a little different than that in the biblical text. He died for people who would spit in his face and shake their fist at him and never accept him. That's love. Because he wasn't spending himself on their response to him. He was spending himself on their value through his eyes Because he made that person. And he loves them, not because he thinks it's the right thing to do. I mean, that's what you try to do. I guess I got to love them because I'm a Christian. But the thing is, that's not. Jesus said, I made that person. I came to die for that person. I love that person. Lovely thoughts. Thoughts that reflect The glory of God, who he is. And know this, love isn't something God does. Love is who God is. 
That's what John said, wasn't it? God is love. Without God, no love. Lovely thoughts are thoughts that celebrate the work of God. John continues, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. That's how you can always tell if something's being motivated by genuine love. You want to take the initiative. Love is always taking the initiative. Religion is us reaching out to God. Which is a faulty way of thinking and something that we're incapable of doing. God's love and grace is Him reaching down to us and us simply responding. This is love, not that we loved God. We weren't looking for God, but that He loved us and had sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He sought to restore us to our right standing with the Father, back into relationship with the Father. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. The word complete there is an awkward translation of a word that's translated a number of different ways in various translations. And it means it's made visible, it's made tangible, it's made touchable, it's made viewable. We see God's love, you probably first saw it, through some Christian who loved you unconditionally. That was just a mere reflection and a bit of a glimmer of God's great love for you. But people can't see God. They can see us. (laughs) And so they may miss God's love all around them. I mean, is it all around them? It was pretty chilly out there this morning, wasn't it? But the temperature, and we can pretty well count on this, was within a range that will sustain human life, right? And all of my life, and I've been around a very long time, it's never varied from that. That's God's love. Do I ever stop to think about that? (laughs) I never do. But when someone who knows him shows me love, I know it when I see it. The great work of God, as revealed in the Bible, is our redemption. Again, this is all about the love of God. God's love is summed up like this, said Paul in Romans, right? (laughs) He died for us when we were still sinners. In other words, when there was nothing lovable about us, (laughs) he died for us. Why? He was doing that more for himself than for us. (laughs) Because we became something very different than he created us to be. 
very different than what he loves. And so he sought to restore us to that state where we are who God made us to be. Nothing shows his care for us like the steps he took to save us. He would say in the upper room to his disciples, wouldn't he? Greater love has no one than this. That he should lay down his life for his friends. That's about as far as you can go. If you're willing to die for someone. I get a chuckle a lot of sometimes I'll hear a husband say, uh, I'd take a bullet for my wife, for my children, whatever. Because chances are that will never come up. Will you wash the dishes? Oh, now that's a far different topic. That might be asking too much, right? Okay, it sounds very profound to say the first. But know this, that every sacrifice that is made ought to be made out of love, which means I value you so highly that I'm willing to pay this toward my love for you. Max Lucado says this, I like it. God sees us with the eyes of a father. He sees our defects, our errors, our blemishes. But he also sees our value. What did Jesus know that enabled him to do what he did? Here's part of the answer. He knew the value of people. He knew that each human being is a treasure. And because he did, people were not a source of stress for him, but a source of joy. Because, not because he was so tolerant. I stopped and emphasized when we were reading during worship from 1 Corinthians 13. There's a long list of, of characteristics of genuine love there. And what's the first one? Love is what? Patient. You all remember that. Okay. See, and again, he's not saying, as Christians, you should all strive to be more patient. I hear that a lot. Give up on that one. As humans, you're doomed to never be very patient. No, he's saying love is patient. Realize how much God loves you. Let that love shine through your life. And guess what you'll find? One day you'll wake up and go, Hey, I'm a lot more patient than I used to be. Why? You're not patient. But love is patient. I mean, aren't there some people you're more patient with than others? Robert? Yeah. Okay. Love does that. And so Robert may be God's gift to us so we can learn how to love so that we can become more patient, right? Lovely thoughts are thoughts that reveal the Son of God. God's love <laughs> is captured in the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit. He's given us Himself. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. 
If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Jesus, God's Son, came to earth on a mission of love. He was the Holy One who would offer His own sinless life in atonement for our sins. The ultimate gift of love. It was God giving Himself because of how highly He valued us. And so you can see, if love is working in and through your life, it'll be exactly the same. You'll find yourself doing things and expressing yourself in ways and sharing things and making sacrifices that you wouldn't otherwise make. And that is all not because you're more loving, but because you are becoming more aware of how much God loves you And that love He has for you is producing love in your life. Billy Graham says this, The love of God that reaches to wherever a man is can be entirely rejected. God will not force Himself upon anyone against His will. It is your part to believe. It is your part to receive. Nobody else can do it for you. I said that to say, this is a model of how God loves. He loves you way too much to ever give up on you. No matter how deep in sin you are lost and find yourself. And yet, He loves you way too much to make the decision for you, doesn't He? He keeps on loving you. But he doesn't do anything to make you love him back. That's your choice. I say that to say, this is the model of our love for others. (laughs) Okay? You're not loving anybody if you're not giving them the freedom to open their hearts or close their hearts. Welcome you in or shut you out. Love respects their right to do that. But it doesn't stop you from loving them. But it might reveal the fact that perhaps you're loving them in hopes of getting some love back. Not the way it works. Okay. Love is its own reward. If you get to love someone, it is its own reward. Lovely thoughts are thoughts that strengthen the children of God, strengthen us. God is love, and whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. Living in love. Imagine that for a moment. If your first thoughts today were of how deeply you are loved by God, And of the people God has brought into your life for you to love. And that set your agenda. That motivated your direction and life. How different our world would be. 
This is how love is made complete among us. Again, the word complete here is more like uh, it exists in theory. (laughs) Here's how it's made a reality. That we we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. Imagine, no fear in love. You might have a hard time figuring out the connection, but in the sense of this lesson, it fits perfectly. Your fear is, I'm going to love this person, but oh no, what if they don't love me back? Right? I'm going to be mature enough to make big sacrifices for this person in love. Well, wait a minute. Who's going to take care of me if they're not willing to make big sacrifices back? But genuine love has nothing to do with what other people are going to do or how they're going to respond. It has to do with who you are and who you are in Christ. And it is, as I said, its own reward. So now there's no fear of rejection, is there? Okay. If they let me love them, they'll be blessed. If they don't let me love them, that's their problem and their loss. But that I loved. (laughs) That's an awesome thing, even if it's never returned. Because fear has to do with punishment. Meaning, (laughs) am I going to get what I need or am I going to have withheld from me what I need? The one who fears is not made perfect in love. In other words, you're not really loving. You're just trying to engage in a give-and-take relationship. Someone has said uh, that marriage is a 50-50 proposition, which is really a pretty silly idea. But the the truth is that not only is it not a 50-50 proposition, it actually is a 100-100 proposition, or it doesn't work. (laughs) Okay, which means all I can do is love 100%. I can't elicit love from the other person. That will depend upon their experience with God and how deep they've gone into God's love for them. The only thing I can control is my walk in God's love. Those who welcome His gift of love, God's gift of love, in gratitude, become instruments of that same love to those around them. It glorifies God that I love others, but the only thing that can motivate and facilitate that kind of love is my understanding of how deeply God loves me. Now, by the way, what displays the love of God most completely? When I love somebody who feels deeply loved by that love and then turns around and returns it? Or the person who rejects me in their love? Well, we just mentioned earlier the remarkable thing about the cross is that Jesus is dying there for people who will reject Him. He came into His own. John had written in John chapter 1, right? But His own did not receive Him. They rejected Him. The people there who were taunting him and cursing him on the cross 
had become his enemies. They're the ones he came to die for. That's divine love, isn't it? Anybody can love somebody, frankly, who loves them back. Or loves them back at the same level for which you perceive that you're loving them. In God alone do we see this kind of love that gives to us regardless of our response. But the minute we understand that that's how He loves us, we start loving others in that same way, and people start seeing the love of God in us. Now, the fact that we have the capacity to love, that's a human thing. Made by God in His image. We reflect that. But the fact that we can love someone who doesn't love us back, that is truly divine. Only God can produce that in me. Richard Stearns has said this, we truly, If we truly love God, we will express it by loving our neighbors. Now, as soon as you read that, you're thinking of neighbors you like. Congratulations. That's a good starting point for love. But now think about the neighbors that you don't like, which probably has nothing to do with not liking them. You probably don't like their behavior. They don't mow their lawn or they make too much noise late at night or whatever. When you get to the point where you can love them, now you know the love of God is at work in your life. Because... In our sin, we are a major annoyance to God. Okay, Imagine, those of you who have had children grow to adulthood, and maybe you've had one or two of them behave in a manner that embarrassed you and mortified you. Okay, Now you've got a picture of God's love for you. Right? Okay. And by the way, your number one uh, thing, even if you say you continue to love that child, is to try to change them and get them to change their behavior. But the thing is, that's not how God loves us, is it? He loves us by loving us just the way we are. Remarkable. Well, that kind of love only comes from God. When we truly love our neighbors, it expresses our love for God. When we begin to understand how deeply God loves us, the natural reaction is to love Him back. Now, by the way, that's kindergarten school level of love, right? Because, frankly, God is perfect. Okay, Easy to love perfect beings. Except for this. Does God do, ever do anything that you don't understand or don't like? Yeah, and then at that point, it may be difficult to love him. But how does he love you when you misbehave? <laughs> now, I'm not calling God's behavior misbehavior, but I'm saying this. He does do some pretty strange things, does he not? You didn't notice that? Yeah, he does. And you wonder, why does God allow that? Why does God do that? Why did God, how come God didn't do this? How come he didn't take care of that? And yet, he loves us in our condition, so we love him back. And then the next stage is you start seeing yourself loving other people the way God loves you. 
Lovely thoughts are thoughts that spread the message of God. And what is the message of God? We love because He first loved us. We love because He first loved us. Love always inspires the taking of the initiative. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. There's an inconsistency here. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. In other words, (laughs) that's pretty basic. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And sister. Now, this is a matter of interpretation, so let me reinterpret it for you. When he says in this context, your brother and sister, he's not talking about the people that you already like. That's a pretty easy step. Brothers, your brothers and sisters in this context are the rest of humanity. And if you want to really stretch your brain, the rest of creation. When you can start seeing yourself loving others, you know the love of God is at work in your heart. Those who really begin to understand and receive the love of God become bearers of the message that God most cares about. What is that message? Whoever you are, Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, God loves you. No, it is not. God is really disgusted by your behavior. A man is he torqued off by the way you're acting and living. I can pretty well guarantee you, since it's true of me, that there are things about your life that God isn't all that pleased with. It has no impact whatsoever on his love for you. He still values you. In fact, the reason why your behavior disturbs him is because it isn't consistent with the value he sees in you. Have you ever had a friend or loved one, a child, a grandchild, who behaved in a manner that was way beneath their dignity as a human being, let alone a child of God? Okay? Well, the answer isn't to cut them off because of their behavior. That's pretty silly. The answer is to show them the love of God, which is He loved you in that condition. St. Augustine said this, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. It's very personal. To be sure. Here's your homework for the week. It's love homework. To love in the Bible means to highly value. Oh, by the way, if you're going to be reading the Bible this week, the word love will probably come up once or twice. So, just substitute the term highly value for love every time you read it. Just this week, you can go back to love the following week. Because I have a feeling every time you read love, you think warm feelings of affection. And that's never what the Bible means by use of the word. Not that there's anything wrong with that. 
It's just not what we're talking about when the Bible talks about love. Do you know that this is how God sees you? Very valuable. If so, how does that make you feel? Oh, I didn't say the feelings were unimportant. (laughs) Simply said that feelings are generally a product of how we think. Do you think God loves you more as you're sitting here in church listening to my sermon? And the longer you're enduring me going on and on, the more he loves you? No, not at all. If you would have chosen to sleep in this morning because you just didn't want to make the effort to be here, God loves you just as much. How does it... I might love you less, by the way. God not. How does that affect the way you see things? Okay, that perception of my value before God, how does that affect the way I think, the way I behave? How does that impact the way you see others? Do you see them, each one, as highly valued by God? How might this kind of change in your perspective impact the way you think and the way you behave? Next week, we're going to talk about positive thinking, the pathway to prosperity and success in life according to God is a matter of perspective. And we'll talk about that next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and for the challenge that comes to us this morning through it. Thank you, Father, for loving us. We thank you, even though we know you couldn't help yourself because we're important to you. But Lord... Help us to welcome that love today and find ways to express that love to others as we leave worship in Jesus' name. Amen.